Hello there folks, how are you all doing? It's the old cheeser back again. Uh, hope you're all keeping well. Now, uh, firstly, must apologise for the hiatus yet again. Uh, I don't think I've spoken to you for a few weeks. But uh, life sometimes has a way of kind of uh, throwing up responsibilities and other commitments. So yet again, that's uh, the reason for why I've not been back with you as soon as I could have hoped. But never mind, better late than never, as they say. Now, what am I going to be talking to you about today? Uh, I would like to take some time to chat with you about the London LGBT scene. Namely, uh, when I say scene, I'm talking about bars and clubs in London that I used to frequent. Now, the inspiration for this, guys, was uh, last weekend I went to an online Zoom party and it was for one of my favourite gay nights, a night called Ducky, which is run at the Royal Vox. Oxford Tavern in South London. Now, a lot of you, I'm sure, will have heard of the RVT. Uh, it's one of London's oldest gay pubs, and actually it's South London's oldest surviving gay venue. Now, if you go onto the Vauxhall Taverns website, um, they've got a great little punchline here. They describe themselves as being the beating heart of Vauxhall, the best in alternative entertainment, serving confirmed bachelors and friends since long before Kylie was born. Now, I love that. Uh, the Vauxhall Tavern has got um, a fascinating history. Um, as I said, it's uh, South London's oldest surviving gay venue. Um, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a uh, sort of background to it. It was built before 1860 and 1862 at Spring Gardens on Kennington Lane and on land which was originally part of the Vauxhall Pleasure Gardens. Now, although it's sometimes reported to have started life as a music hall, the venue was in fact constructed as a public house, a pub, and has always served that function. And after the Second World War, returning servicemen and local gay men were reportedly attracted to the venue, which held shows by female impersonators, drag shows. Now, around about the 1970s, the Vauxhall Tavern had two bars. It was around a kind of kidney-shaped bar, which doubled as a stage for the drag artists. And what they did was they danced along this bar in stilettos from the tiny little apron stage at one end. Now, prior to the cabaret starting, the bar would be cleared of glasses and drinks, and the staff would clean the bar ready for the drag to dance along in their heels. Uh, and the place attracted a lot of local workers. It had a, a dartboard, whilst the lounge attracted the local gay community. Now, if we fast forward a little bit there, um, RVT, it survived redevelopment throughout the 1970s and 80s, and it kept its independence as a gay venue. And a lot of London's top drag artists performed there. So we had people like Hinge and Brackett, uh, Regina Fong, and even Diana Dawes actually appeared there. Now, I'm sure you will have all heard of Lily Savage, that's the drag persona of Paul O'Grady. Well, he, she was a regular performer there for eight years. That was where he, she cut their teeth and um, they did shows four times a week. Now, there's other really interesting stories uh, behind the Vauxhall Tavern guys. Uh, according to Cleo Rokos, um, she was uh, uh, a entertainer who appeared on Kenny Everett's show back in the 80s. In Cleo Rokos's memoir called The Power of Positive Drinking, she claimed that Diana, Princess of Wales, actually visited the RVT in the late 1980s. But uh, because she wanted to obviously keep her kind of keep her identity secret, she disguised herself as a man and accompanied by Rokos, Freddie 
Freddie Mercury and Kenny Everett. They all went to the RVT. Now, uh, Rokos stated that revellers didn't actually notice who Dinah was because their attention was focused on Mercury and the others. So, fascinating story there. Now, again, if we fast forward a bit into the future, the RVT was taken over uh, by some gay businessmen, Paul Oxley and James Lindsay, around 2005, and they installed a new lighting and sound system, and the venue opened seven nights a week and kept its popularity. So, it's been going basically kind of a long time. So let me chat to you about Ducky for a few minutes now, guys. Well, uh, what kind of a night is it? I absolutely love it. Um, it's uh, extremely kind of creative and it's great fun. If you go onto Ducky's website, uh, this is how they describe themselves as a collective of performance artists who are a post-gay independent arts outfit. And they produce a mix of what's called cultural interventions, such as club nights, new mode pop, burlesque and performance events, as well as anti-theatre experimentation. And they've described their work as mixing the art house with the DOS house and putting highbrow performance in backstreet pubs and lowbrow performance in posh theatres. Well, I think that's a very good way to describe um, themselves. They do go out, actually, and they do their uh, they do their kind of show in other places. Um, in terms of what they're like at the Vauxhall Tavern, though, those elements are very much to the fore. So um, to give you an idea of what it's like, well, it's a great mix of music and um, I'm such a music fan to think talk about uh, the playlist that they had last week at the 25th uh, anniversary the kind of things that they played were tunes like the Archies Sugar Sugar ABBA the Visitors that's the album track Manic Street Preachers Motorcycle Emptiness Lizzo Juice Kate Bush Babushka S-Express, Superfly Guy, Pet Shop Boys, Left to My Own Devices, Divine, Shake It Up, Andrea True Connection, More, 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 Suede, Trash, David Bowie, Young Americans, Fifth Dimension, Aquarius and Let the Sunshine In, Inner City, Good Life, and uh, then their smoochy uh, end of the night closer was Carly Simon, Nobody Does It Better. So that probably gives you an idea of how eclectic the music is, and um, it's all mixed up and done really well. Now the DJs are these two wonderful people called The Reader's Wives, and um yeah, great music. And in fact, if you go onto Spotify, the Reader's Wives have uh, several playlists on there. In fact, uh, Mark Wood is the name of the one of the actual DJs. And he's done these amazing playlists, including now, now That's What I Call Music, going back to the 1960s and 70s. And the rationale is, uh, what would uh, compilations have been like if they uh, the Now compilations had come out at that time? So I absolutely adore the music. Now, another really original aspect is the cabaret and performance artists and they're very often uh, off the wall and alternative and often very satirical as well politically leaning towards the left thank goodness so uh, the ducky night that took place last week well obviously it was different because it was online and I was kind of wondering how it was going to be done uh, the great news was though they still actually used the RVT well they actually had the performance artists there and the DJs um, obviously it was much kind of spa but they were using that space to perform and to play the music. 
And in lieu of having a proper audience instead, uh, they had basically the audience and punters, in inverted commas, were a load of cardboard cutouts, which was rather funny. Now, uh, obviously loads of people love Ducky, so what they did was they were kind of moderating the people that were attending there. But they invited you to turn on your camera, and because it was the 25th anniversary, they'd also asked that everybody came wearing silver. Now, uh, I don't have any silver in my wardrobe, unfortunately, guys um, but what I decided to do to get into the fun spirit was I dug out uh, and I have a little bit of a collection I dug out a couple of my wigs and me and my partner put those on so that kind of made up for it I think now um, they also gave you the option if you want of uh, turning on your camera so uh, other people could see you at home dancing and having a good time uh, a lot of people understandably don't want to do that kind of thing because obviously it's pretty personal having people scrutinising um, your chaise long or your chintzy curtains so I um, decided not to do that at least to start with but then after a couple of drinks I think me and uh, my fella decided that it might actually be quite fun and um, when we were watching other people well how can I say their homes were pretty kind of normal looking so we thought why not um, but by the time I put in a request to the moderators I think they'd probably been inundated with people asking them to oh, turn on up please let us put on our camera and um, we didn't get our request taken up but never mind um, nevertheless you got a kind of a, a sort of a good viewing of other people having a good time there were two guys that were dressed up in these amazing silver robes robot outfits that they'd made and a lot of inventiveness and a lot of creativity so it was a great night in spite of the uh, the weirdness obviously of kind of doing it sitting on the couch and uh, you know uh, having a pub night from home as it were I think they they, they did it really well well, um, as I said, I mean, talking about Ducky, this has got me to thinking about London's gay scene. And um, it's actually undergone an awful lot of changes over the past few decades. Well, gentrification, for better or for worse, has resulted in a lot of gay bars and clubs closing down in London and being converted into things like flats or wine bars or venues catering for straight customers. Now, for example, I, I remember frequenting uh, a club in Camden in North London, the Black Cap many of you have probably heard of um, and that is sadly no longer with us um, a friend of mine who lives in the East End he took me to a couple of places in Shoreditch the Georgian Dragon and uh, the Bricklayer's Arms now these were wonderfully quirky venues that played really good alternative music and great pop now, I remember the Bricklayer's Arms being a rather kind of tatty and run-down, no-frills type of venue. Uh, but that didn't matter because uh, there was a really fun crowd, a fun atmosphere, and as I said, great music. Um, I remember dancing to Madonna's Lucky Star and me and my friends saying, um, shall we go? Oh no, let's have one more. And then sort of cut to a bit later, oh no, we'll stay and have one more. So um, I think, you know, thinking about these places, it's sad in some ways that these venues have actually gone. Now, in a lot of ways, we could argue that this is due to changing norms and the legalisation of gay marriage and the fact that as LGBT people, we've now got a far, far greater acceptance and assimilation into society than before. So those are obviously all positive things. Times have changed massively and for the better in many ways. Plus, there's, of course, the advent of social media and apps like Grindr, and what that's meant is that people now would rather meet online. 
I do think ultimately it's sad though because this has had a bit of a knock-on effect on the whole going out to have fun angle. Uh, surely kind of going out shouldn't just be about pulling the most fittest guy that you've just died up across the dance floor. It should be about socialising and going out to have a good boogie and certainly that you know those were the things that I really used to enjoy. So, going back in time a little bit here, now I thought this would be a great opportunity, as I said, for me to talk to you about, having uh, talked about the virtues of Ducky and the RVT, to talk about some of the other uh, gay venues that I used to go to in my uh, former youth, shall we say. Now, um, do any of you remember the thriving gay scene that used to be around Earl's Court in West London? Uh, there were places like Brompton's and the Colhern. Now, I haven't actually been to Earl's Court for a long time, but I assume there isn't actually very much left there now and in fact a quick google check that i did revealed that there was a place called the pembroke but that seemed to be about all i could find uh, in the 1980s and 90s uh, the scene moved to soho and certainly this was um this was where i used to go out the most in fact so some of those places i went to right well how many of you remember g-a-y at the astoria now g-a-y as far as i know uh, run by jeremy joseph he was the uh, impresario as far as i know it's still going uh, it has a bar on old compton street and i think there was a late night g-a-y bar to just off charing cross road uh, but g-a-y at the astoria as i said was um place that i used to love now the astoria sadly the venue is no longer with us because um it was knocked down to make way for Crossrail. Uh, but rather like the vauxhall tavern um it was a former victorian music hall kind of huge place when you went inside it had all this amazing tiered seating and these tables that were looking down onto a stage area and i remember some really good nights there with my mates um they had a great mix of disco and soul and pop and we used to dance to things like the Pointer Sisters and Three Three Degrees and Boys Town Gang and Dinah Ross and I actually remember seeing Five Star performing there once although actually it was only three of them so perhaps they should be renamed Three Star. Great night. And then there was Pop Stars. Well, great night. Um, now, my first experience of Pop Stars was when the club was located in Islington. And when the club was there, it consisted of several floors. And to get to each floor of the club, you had to walk up and down this central staircase. And in the middle, they had these, uh, I remember these pipes with this coloured bubbling liquid sort of uh, going up it. A bit like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Now, Pop Stars then decamped. It moved to the Scala in King's Cross. Now, I think this venue perhaps wasn't quite so good. It, the Scala has an incredibly confusing and labyrinthine layout, and getting between the floors proved a bit of a challenge, and it was quite easy to get lost. However, the plus of pop stars was the diversity of music that they used to play there. They had several different floors and rooms, and these different rooms were dedicated to different musical genres. So, on the ground floor, you had an indie rock floor, and they played stuff like The Cure, The Pixies, The Cranberries, Garbage, The Manic Street Preachers, The Smiths, Republica, Blur. They'd also have alternative dance stuff like The Chemical Brothers and Underworld. Then you had the soul and R&B room and that's where you'd get down and groove and wind your batty. So we'd get stuff like Beyonce, Destiny's Child, Blue Cantrell, Alicia Keys, Rihanna, The Fugees, Missy Elliott, Callis, Janet Jackson. Plus there was old school soul and disco like Michael Jackson, Earth, Wind and Fire, The Supremes. 
And last but definitely not least, the other room in Pop Stars was the rubbish room. And this was for lovers of pop, kitchen, trash. So what do we get there? We got Bucks Fizz, ABBA, stuff like Tight Fit, Cher, The Pet Shop Boys, Boney M, Madonna, The Human League, All Saint, Britney Spears, Girls Aloud, Banana Rama, Delight, Eurythmics and Kim Wilde. So the strength of Pop Stars was the fact that it catered for lovers of almost every type of music. And um, what I really liked about it too was the fact that it didn't assume that just because we were gay, we only wanted to listen to and dance to stuff like Kylie Minogue and Steps and we were all people that wore crop tops. Uh, you know, that type of music, you could argue, was very obviously predicated for the gay market. And Pop Stars was far more diverse than that. Now, actually, it was um, a couple of years ago, they had a Pop Stars Revisited night that was back in the Scala. And I went, and it was just as good as the original, really. It brought back really fond memories. So great nights there. Now, equally as good, we also had a night called Wig Out, which was at the Ghetto. Now, the Ghetto was a place that was tucked down a dark alley, Ua, between Charing Cross Road and Soho Square. And as a venue, gosh, quite claustrophobic. It was it was very low ceilinged, it was often very crowded, and sometimes got unbearably hot. And that was due to its smallness and the sheer amount of people that frequented it. Um, but they played the same type of music as pop stars, uh, except uh, it all actually took place in one room. And we often got a mix of DJs throughout the night who would then play their own genre of music. Uh, I distinctly remember Sarone's uh, Super Nature coming on the sound system and thinking how bloody brilliant it sounded and having a really good dance to that. Next up, well, one of my real favourite nights, uh, even better than the others that I've just mentioned, in fact, uh, a night called Shinky Shonky, which was uh, um, took place in a basement bar just off Leicester Square, the Polar Bear. Now, this was actually kind of like the twin of a very similar night run in Brighton called Dynamite Boogaloo, which I used to go to before moving to London. Now, the host of Shinky Shonky was a truly fabulous guy known as Boogaloo Stew. He was the chief DJ, he was a performer, he was the head honcho, and... Um, uh, brilliant appearance uh, Stu wore safari suits and kind of sort of paisley outfits platformed heels and had a big uh, quiffed up wig and the whole kind of style and tenor of Shinky Shonky was I would say inspired by the Carry On movies there was lots of um, I do like to be beside the seaside style sauciness there mixed up with a slightly more modern approach so Stu would uh, basically come on the mic and talk to the audience and um, we did have music by the way I'll talk to you about that in a moment and uh, he would entertain them and welcome them so uh, his kind of customary way of sort of starting off the night would be welcome lesbians and gentlemen don't fuck with me you goddamn motherfucking asshole and he used to get the audience to kind of repeat what he was saying now the music um uh very similar to that played at RVT so we had disco pop a bit of indie there was soul there was R&B a really good eclectic mix so examples would be stuff like Sarah Brightman and Hot Gossip I Lost My Heart to a Starship Trooper or Kate Bush Babushka or Missy Elliott Get Your Freak On or the clapping song by Anita Harris you you know you can't get much more different than that but it worked And Stu also had his resident cabaret artists with great names. So we had uh, Miss Highleg Kick, Princess Knickers and Legato Chocolat. 
Plus, Shinky Shonky incorporated some game shows. Now, the way that worked was Stu used to get uh, poor, uh, unfortunate audience members up on the stage and he got them to participate in the games. Now, we had more kind of straightforward things like musical statues, uh, but then there were more risque type games shall we say such as the charmingly named penny up my crack now the object of this game was that you had to clench a coin between your butt cheeks walk across the stage and drop the coin into a glass now round two of the game involved doing the same thing but with a pickled onion round three again was the same but this time you had to do it with an egg so it got progressively harder Well, there was also uh, the charmingly named Shit Lips. Now, in Shit Lips, you had to answer true or false questions. And if you got a question wrong, you had Nutella and chocolate sauce smeared all over your face. (laughs) Now, in addition to all of that, uh, there were also some uh, lovely freebies. So uh, they often gave away jelly babies and jelly beans and bags of hula hoops, which helped if you were a little bit peckish. But my favourite giveaways of all uh, freebies were the badges at Shinky Shonky. And these badges had various kind of um, saucy uh, sayings and slogans and catchphrases written across them. And such gems included things like, Sorry girls, I'm a gay lord. And, Excuse me madam, you're treading on my... And, I am a beacon of morality in this quagmire of perversion. Also, my... Is like a pistol, cocked, aimed and ready to shoot. And those were the tasteful ones. Now, during my many nights out at Shinky Shonky, I acquired a vast collection of those badges, and I'm very pleased to say that I still have them. They're now sitting up in my attic inside a lovely pink clutch bag, and they're mementos of a great time. Now, actually, uh, I just stumbled across, in fact, it was today, a uh, another podcast called Lost Spaces, which is uh, all about memories of past queer nightlife. And on there um, is a great interview with Boogaloo Stew, where he's reminiscing about his times uh, doing Shinky Shonky and other club nights. And it's great to hear him talking about all those past experiences. <sighs> I miss Shinky Shonky so much. Now, one other venue I'm going to mention to you um, is another one in Soho uh, called the Escape Bar that I used to go to a number of years ago. Um, This was just off Old Compton Street, and it was situated right next to Madame Jojo's. Now, it's a very small box-sized venue, uh, just kind of one room, uh, but they played great music in there, and there was a great atmosphere. And I think sometimes there's something about the fact um, if venues are smaller, they're a lot more kind of intimate and friendly. So I remember kind of going out there and sort of having sort of various boozy nights out and um, you know befriending and having really good conversations with complete strangers there and it, it was just lots of fun now they the, the music probably tended a bit more towards kind of house music but there was still a leaning towards pop and one of the great things about Escape was um, on the walls they had lots of TV screens and on there they used to show old retro TV shows so things like Charlie's Angels that I was mentioning um, on my previous post uh, and that would be juxtaposed with the music my favourite all of all I think were clips from the soap opera dynasty uh, where Crystal and Alexis were having lots of cat fights and that was taking place while you were booging it was just brilliant now just like the other gay venues that i was talking about before um escape is sadly no longer with us and uh, was taken over um, by a different owner i don't think it's actually a gay venue anymore
So, in hindsight, perhaps Soho and the gay scene in general has lost some of its edge and creativity, really. Um, one of the last surviving remnants of those halcyon days is a bar called Retro, which is still there, and um, you can get to that by uh, walking down the Strand from Charing Cross Station. Uh, you walk down some steps down an alleyway, and it's just at the bottom there. Uh, it's a wonderful place. It's got the same kind of vibe as pop stars. They play the same eclectic mix of music and there's a good kind of artsy crowd uh, but that is one of the few places uh, that is left as I said from that previous period so wrapping it up well I mean going back to the RVT and uh, what I said before about gentrification and the dissipating gay scene uh, maybe I wasn't as quite as clear as I could have been earlier on um, I think the acceptance that LGBT people have gained in comparison with a few decades ago and our assimilation into society is certainly a very wonderful and applaudable thing in a lot of ways. Uh, the fact that we've now got far greater visibility and positive representation in the media, the fact that our relationships are now validated and that we can marry in the eyes of the church, the fact that discrimination and prejudice have been outlawed, the fact that in many ways we have equal status with heterosexual people. So some might argue that this is why there is no longer a need for gay bars or clubs. But I'm not sure if I entirely agree with this. Firstly, I think there will always, unfortunately, be some pockets of society and places where it's not entirely easy to be gay or to be yourself. So I think it's very important that we do still have some safe havens. But secondly, um, I think we need to preserve venues and places that are unique and special to our own identity and culture. And the dangers of being assimilated into mainstream society are that we risk losing that sense of identity, not to mention a defined sense of community. And this is why I think it's so important to keep places like the RVT going. They need to stay operating and they need to stay available. It's, it's what they represent on a deeper level for LGBT folk that that's so important. So, once we're past this uh, lockdown shit, keep going out, keep socialising with others, keep experiencing wonderfully diverse types of music with a diverse crowd of friends, keep dancing, and keep having fun! Ooh, I think I raised the volume slightly there, didn't I, everybody? But uh, the abiding message is, viva the RVT and viva the gay scene. Right, well, great to have you here today listening, everybody. Thank you. Now, just before I go, a little brief mention. I now have an email address that you can contact me on, uh, and I would love to hear from you uh, any thoughts on this post or others and any related thoughts. If you want to reach me, my email address is oldcheeser at gmail.com. That's oldcheeser at gmail.com. So hope to hear from you. Right, well, have a good rest of weekend, guys. Enjoy, and I shall speak to you soon. Ciao for now.